you want to give love to the city, that's a fact. But you're going to need help if you want to make an impact. Well endowed, you want to be well endowed with the Edmonton community. Things really happen when you find that you're well endowed. Hi everyone, welcome to the Well Endowed podcast brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation and a proud affiliate member of Alberta Podcast Network. We bring you community discourse about the amazing organizations and people who come together to help make Edmonton strong. We share stories from spaces where endowments and community intersect. I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. And I'm Andrew Paul. This month, we're trying something new. Instead of just one episode for September, we're going to post and share a new episode every week. We had so many great stories to share this month, so it seemed like a good time to give weekly episodes a try. And we thought it would be a good time to check in with all of you, our wonderful listeners out there. We love that you spend time with us, and we want to know what you think about the show. So we've created a listener survey. That's right. The survey can be found at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Just click on the listener survey button to tell us what you think. This week, we're going to hear all about Edmonton Community Development Company and a new development they are planning for the Alberta Avenue neighborhood. Then we're going to touch base with Nadir Bellamer about Nui Blanche, an all-night art party right here in downtown Edmonton. The Alberta Avenue neighborhood has been undergoing a revitalization process for about a decade now. And last week, the Edmonton Community Development Company and Arts on the Ave announced a joint project that is set to potentially change the face of the neighborhood forever. Arts Common 118 is currently envisioned as two four-story buildings that will sit on either side of 92nd Street along the south side of 118th Avenue. If the development moves ahead as proposed, it will consist of 78 live workspaces for artists, a black box theater with seating for 200, market space for artists and local entrepreneurs, a community arts coffee house, gallery spaces, a 2,000 square foot industrial kitchen, a rooftop farm, a school of music, and more. The project also envisions holding regular farmers markets and night markets. And the intention is to build a net zero complex to minimize the impact on the environment. I spoke with Christy Morin. Hi, I'm Christy Morin. I'm the executive director of Arts on the Ave, and we are a local organization that are bringing new life to Alberta Avenue. And Mark Holmgren. Uh, I'm Mark Holmgren. I'm the executive director of the Edmonton Community Development Company. It's a nonprofit part nine company, and we've just been open for about eight months. To learn more about the project. Well, Mark, since the ECDC is only eight months old, a lot of people might not know exactly what it is and uh, what it is aiming to do in the city. Uh, so maybe you can let us know a little bit about what ECDC is. Sure. I mean, the Edmonton CDC was actually born out of the mayor's task force to uh, end poverty and is actually seen by End Poverty Edmonton as one of its kind of flagship programs. And what its mandate is, is to do really neighborhood economic development especially in uh, low-income, distressed neighborhoods, neighborhoods that are in transition. I'm not always quite not sure what words to use to describe neighborhoods because they're all different, but mostly in the urban core into the northern part of the city doing affordable housing, a commercial development, social enterprise development, mixed-use development, so you know, maybe stores on a main floor and housing on top, but really aimed at the kinds of development that aren't limited to the people who are in those facilities but are really about trying to lift up a neighborhood, adding economic value, uh, dealing with some of the social inclusion goals that folks might have, dealing with other goals like arts and culture, and it's that kind of integrated approach. Uh, and so how does that sort of differ from maybe the more traditional uh, type of developers out there that would be looking at certain pieces of land to build on? How does ECDC differ? You know, I think there's similarities between what other developers do, but I think the difference is Developers, whether they're for-profit or non-profit, they tend to be focusing on a piece of land or an area around in which their land sits 
focusing on what kind of development they can do that's economically viable. They tend to do development that's more aimed at people who can uh, afford more than, say, some of the groups that we would be looking at. And uh, developers don't necessarily look at the whole neighborhood that they're in. They, they might. I mean, there are larger developments where na- developers do that. But our sole purpose is to focus first on the neighborhood and the goals of the neighborhood, not necessarily a certain kind of development aimed at seniors or women or homeless people. Right. right? I, I mean, we might work with those groups. But a lot of developers are focusing on a particular target population and a, partic- a particular demographic. And ours is, I think, more complex than that. Yeah, well, speaking of complex, you're working on a project at the moment. Uh, now, is uh, Arts Common 118 the first project that ECDC is sort of going forth on? Yeah, you know, uh, we thought we would start with the biggest, most complicated project we could do. But it's re- it was really a kind of an evolution. So before I came here in January... Uh, last year, uh, Martin Garber Conrad, who's our board chair and also, as you know, ED of the, the foundation, uh, was already working with Christy around to see if we were interested in being involved with the Arts Common Project, which we were. I really believed in what's going on in that neighborhood and the, and the prospects of what could happen if we teamed up. Uh, in fact, Martin was so convinced that we actually, we've invested in land too, to build there. So... Um, that was really the first project that we had even before we had a full-time staff. And so a lot of our time has been focusing on it. It's a very large project, but it's not the only thing that we'll be doing now, for sure. So maybe, Christy, uh, could you tell us a little bit about the Arts Common project and how Arts on the Ave is involved? Arts Common 118 is a dream and a vision that the community has been waiting for for the past 10 years. We are excited because it won't just be arts only. There will also be mixed use. So there will be um, retail. There will be office space. There will be gardens. It's a whole community that's going to be grown in that building. So I'm very excited about that because we didn't want to isolate just the arts. We are arts on the Ave, and we do see how arts and, and celebration of arts and brings joy and brings change. But, of course, it's the bringing together of so many different other groups that's going to bring the vibrancy to these two buildings. Right. And so where exactly are these two buildings going to be built? So these two buildings are built on in the heart of Alberta Avenue. So that's on 92nd Street and 118th Avenue, one next to the Nina Haggerty Center for the Arts, and the other one just across a little street where we call it the grassy space. It used to be the old Alberta Cycle building. Okay. So can you walk us through what the buildings and the site is going to actually look like and what is going to possibly, potentially be inside of it, occupying that space? Sure. So inside the East Building is where the Carrot Coffee House will be, an exhibition space or gallery space. There's going to be a 2,000-square-foot kitchen, industrial kitchen there, which is far bigger than what the Carrot needs, but implies that we're going to be doing some other things with that kitchen, whether it's to help local groups with microenterprise who create food products and also to do community kitchens, that kind of programming. And then uh, our current design is there's actually a second level of kind of manufacturing space for artists where they can also sell their wares so they can make and sell actually in the first level too. So it's quite a bit of space. There is also on the main floor of each building retail space, closed retail space, so someone could have a store there on either end. In the smaller building uh, to the west is a, a black box theater seating up to about 200 people, depends on how you configure it, that also can work as a community event space. Uh, you could get married there, have a workshop there, uh, have a jam session there. On the second floor, and this is why we're going, why we've been going to Vancouver and having conversations there as well, is to try to partner with the Sarah McLaughlin School of Music 
who are interested in putting their uh, Edmonton campus there. Oh. So, you know, uh, an opportunity for them to deliver their awesome services free of charge to disadvantaged youth and low-income seniors and hold concerts and, and so forth. And, of course, we hope we'll actually get to listen to Sarah McLaughlin <laughs> once in a while. That would be nice. Um, you know, the housing, on there's about 78 units of, of live-work space over both buildings that's targeted for artists. Now, this this apartment, the apartment style that we're looking at is sort of a raw space, but very tall vertical space. So there are going to be three different sizes for artists to live in. So one would be sort of a single single suite type of thing, but really high. So if you can sort of imagine that you could put in a mezzanine or a loft above, so it gives you extra living space. Um, and it's much more a European model that we were looking at and the architects were getting pretty jazzed about because there's nothing in the city of Edmonton or surrounding, according to them, that is of this model. And then a second size again, but again, using that really the, the tall height in that and then a third space, which uh, again is just, you know, your basic kitchenette, washroom, and then a really open loft feel. And uh, I think that's really exciting because it's something we want to be unique and different about. The way the buildings are shaped, they're L-shaped. So on the on the top of the second floor in the back and the Arts Common East is a just over 6,000 square foot space. We want to put a community farm okay. or an urban farm that could be monetized to some extent, selling herbs or flowers or whatever it might do, uh, but also could be used for education for kids. Maybe there would be beehives there. And there's a smaller garden on the other building. Uh, it's just not as big. What's really interesting, too, about uh, Arts Common is that the space in between and the fact that we own space behind Arts Common East, so the bigger building, and given what's around us, and I'll explain that in a minute, we really see great opportunity for animating the outdoor space. So the space between the two buildings and the uh, space behind the larger one to create farmer's markets, uh, night markets. In the west building, the whole side of that building is open. Uh, and, and it's high ceiling, so you could have an indoor market, outdoor market. You could be doing it year-round. And then if, if you know, there's a church behind us with a parking lot. Behind them is a park across the street. There's Alberta Avenue, a community league with their parking lot. So great opportunities for us to collaborate with other groups around what can happen outdoors for communities. Yeah, and Nina Hagerty is was, right next door, I was going to say, and the Nina is right next door. So you could never ask for a better neighbor than the Nina. Those folks and those artists are amazing and have opened their doors to community already. So they're already showing what they're all about and they can't wait to see the neighbors move in next door. So we wanted to stress that because again, while the roots of this development is to is focused on helping artists have affordable live workspace and a place to sell their wares, it's not just an artist's building, right? So mm-hmm. uh, we, we wanted, and it really fits with Arts on the Ave's mandate as well, uh, and ours, too, in terms of, in, in a different kind of way, but ours around animating the community, creating things that community wants. Everyone will experience it in different ways. But uh, imagine having that kind of animated outdoor space, being able to go inside and look at art and see artists work and go to the farmer's market and, and the kinds of dynamics you can create with other organizations. So we're very much pumped about that. The other thing about placemaking is that I always say it's not place made. So it's place making. It's it's future thinking. And there is so much opportunity on Alberta Avenue to Mark's point, like working in Eastwood, right, which is part of the Alberta Avenue G- district, right, are, are some wonderful opportunities. And the eateries are just phenomenal. So the other thing I'd love for people to know is that when there are buildings that are up for sale, often Arts on the Ave is one of the first people in the know. So if someone is interested in buying a building in the neighborhood or looking at selling a building, 
we are really good. We don't take a finder's fee. We're just, we, the finder's fee is that we get to have you in the community. So, you know, so please like reach out to us and let us know if you're interested because we'll often match really great, you know, people that are selling to people that are wanting to buy and build really wonderful community driven uh, businesses and, and community minded businesses and, and open thinkers. Well, speaking of the community that is living there already, when big developments like this come on the table, there is a little bit of worry or questions about gentrification of a neighborhood versus uh, renewal. Maybe, Chrissy, you could you could speak to this. But I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit about how gentrification is sort of on your mind and how you walk that line between renewal and gentrification. So this project I really see as a renewal project. It was part of the revitalization plans that we had looked at and really considered so many different social components when looking at what would it mean to buy this building with the city 10 years ago, right? So when we looked at that, it was about trying to find ways to bring people together and to have a tipping point in the community. Right now, our neighborhood is at a point that a lot of artists have purchased their own homes. And what we have seen now are a lot of co-ops, people wanting to develop co-ops, so they actually buy buildings together. People who are living in the neighborhood going, hey, what if I bought that old bar that's sitting on the corner? Is there any support? And so we've had Mark engaged in different conversations with how do you do that and how do you keep it still mom pop and how do you not make it to all of a sudden the big boxes start pushing us around and and all of a sudden them having the strong, strong arm in the game. Yeah, that stretch of 118th between 97th Street and 82nd Street is actually quite wonderful little strip of the city. There's no chain restaurants there, no Starbucks, uh, and it is all these little mom and pop shops. I've always seen it as like a little bit of a dining district in the city. <laughs> Part of dealing with this question about gentrification versus renewal too is the extent to which the community itself kind of takes charge of its own destiny, right? Yeah. And so this is one of the reasons, another reason why we, we like partnering with Arts on the Ave is that it's... It's not just an arts organization. It really is a community hub and a community development organization that can muster people to write letters to uh, to the mayor's office, which they did to get the revitalization work back on. At the same time, you know, when we're looking at, uh, at what we're developing, developers need to make decisions that work for communities. So we're not going to ask a shopper's drug mart to have a retail bay in our, nothing against them, but we're not looking for the big box answers. We're looking for local entrepreneurs, local businesses that want to locate there where they, they hopefully live in the area, or at least are doing business in the area, adding to the local economy. I would think it would be dishonest to say when you do renewal, you do get some flavors of gentrification. You can't avoid it. It's about how you control it. We think this project will be a game changer, not only in terms of the community being more connected, more engaged, it will attract other development. And uh, some of the storefronts that are boarded up or just not in good shape, they, those will, things will start to improve. And when those things happen, prices do go up. But you can't avoid that. But really, what is the extent to which the community tries to manage that and works with groups like us, but also other developers to say, no, no. That's not the kind of development. We don't want a 16-story building with a drugstore the, on the main floor. So it's not just developers who gentrify. It's communities also who somehow, I don't want to say let that happen, but aren't organized, don't have the capacity to actually work with developers to, to create the community that they want. So moving forward, what do you have planned for that community engagement as the project progresses? Sure. So the reason why we did the, the we call it a party, but it's really community party and engagement, was there had been consultations and design charrettes years ago, and we, we referenced those. Uh, we both think what we've come up with is connected to what people told us, but it's been a while. 
we don't want to wait to go back to community until we're actually looking for the development permit because mm-hmm. development permits require much more detailed drawings, right? <laughs> right. So we thought, let's report back. Let's animate the land a little bit. Have some fun because, you know, live music and that kind of thing, a little bit of food and, uh, and a face painter. And, and, and so, you know, let's enjoy it. But let's also do uh, let's report back. Let's do some engagement. Let's get some sense of how people feel about it. That will feed into what we do next. And when we're confident that the money we have enough money to go forward, meaning we have either contracts or agreements in place with funders or we're feeling comfortable going forward, even if we don't have it all yet. Then we'll move to the drawing stage, and then we'll be going back to community to say, look, we started here, we came back, we had the party, we did this, here's, the, here's what we've come up with, and hopefully uh, we'll have met community's needs and concerns then. The other part that I love about what uh, this project is all about is the continual conversation with community. So Arts on the Ave, I would say, like our mandate is to bring life and healing to Alberta Avenue District. Even the name Arts Common 118 was brought together by a community leadership group. So we met together around the carrot table uh, maybe about four or five years ago, and we did a whole branding and a whole naming exercise for two nights of what could the name of this building be. So I think using that as our template and knowing that that is the heart of ECDC is, is, you know, us welcoming them to community and being able to share what we feel is needed in this neighborhood and what we dream to have in our neighborhood, what's missing, right? That's always a question of what's missing in the neighborhood. And I think this is a big, a big piece to, to being able to fill those, to fill those uh, ideas. You know, we'll, we'll be at Kaleido uh, having a booth and we'll be talking to people and sharing the news of Arts Common. That's, we consider that engagement too. Not just selling, you know, I mean, it's informing and providing people who are there with an understanding how they can get involved. We want to build things or do or create things that the community actually wants, <laughs> right. right? Not go through the battle of, of persuading them to want something and negotiating little changes and mm-hmm. stuff. That's just not how we want to operate. So. Almost makes too much sense. <laughs> um, what is the next step for you then? Well, continued engagement over the summer through the festivals. Uh, we have a, I have a person on staff who's going to start talking with, uh, and we've already started, but to connect with faith community groups, business groups, um, and I'm speaking to uh, the business association soon anyway, but on an ongoing basis, uh, finding other groups around that uh, we should be talking to. Uh, I want to work with Christy about bringing some more artists together because it's time to do that again. And the fundraising, fund development stuff we need to do. Then once we know when we're going to build, because it's going to take a while to build this, the first shovel on the ground will be 18 months after that when we're open. Okay. So during that period of time, there's business planning to do. What's the business plan for a 2,000-square-foot industrial kitchen? You know, how, how will we make that work? Uh, if we end up with a business incubator, I mean, we have ideas about, because this isn't a done deal yet, right? We have ideas about what we want to do. How, what's the business plan for that? What's the business plan for the black box theater? And then other things that the ECDC wants to do in terms of creation of social enterprise. During this period of time, in fact, I've already started this work, what kinds of social enterprise can we create that matches the kind of work we do? I need property management, snow removal, janitorial maintenance, that kind, you know, tenant relations, administration, and within a kitchen, uh, which we see being partnering with, with uh, Arts on the Ave with, and and maybe uh, other groups. Yeah. What's the business model for that? How can we make that work? So it's not just building something. Excellent. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to chat about that maybe we haven't touched on? I would just like to let people know, because uh, we are really pumped about what we're doing in Alberta Avenue. 
But the, the Edmonton CDC is also looking at what it can do in Bois Macaulay and in Eastwood and in other communities. Uh, it may not be the same thing. It's something that might be more particular to uh, those particular neighborhoods. And we also have a large parcels of land coming our way from the city that that will be saying to community, what would you like to do on these large parcels of land? Here's how the land is zoned. Uh, here's what's going on around it. Help us figure out what we should build there. You know, give, give us your, your ideas and your, and your direction. So that's also other stuff that's in the works uh, in addition to arts common from, from our, our point of view. The other thing I'd love uh, folks to know is that we would love to hear their voice. If they weren't able to make it to the party and it was a great party, uh, you know, let us know. Come by the Carrot Community Arts Coffee House. You know, sit down and, and chat with us. Come by the Kaleido Festival and talk to us and engage. We do want to hear what people are wanting to do. And maybe there's some smaller subset groups that are saying, hey, I need a space for this. Mark and I would be really open to ch- chatting with them and finding out or social enterprise or people that are wanting to start businesses, whatever it might be. Uh, because we are right now in that phase, and about you know another six months, we won't be in that phase. So really take advantage of this and reach out to us, because we'd love to hear what, what your plans are and, and how you want to make things grow in Edmonton. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Christy Morin and Mark Holgram, for telling us about the Arts Common 118 project. If you'd like to learn more about the building and see some images of the concept, go to edmontoncdc.org. Andrew, have you ever had the need to see interactive and provoking art at 1 a.m.? Like a slow motion video of matchsticks burning themselves out one by one, or a steamroller derby urged on by a crushed, thirsty crowd, or traversing a pedway full of balloons? I have. And if any of that sounds familiar, you might have attended Nuit Blanche in 2015. Nuit Blanche is an all-night contemporary art party, and it's coming back this year on September 29th. Here's my conversation with Nadir Bellimer, one of the organizers of Nuit Blanche, to tell us more. Welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast, Nadir. Thank you. Uh, so could we start by getting you to introduce yourself and sure. let us know what you're up to at Nuit Blanche? Well, uh, at Nuit Blanche, I am the programming committee chair. Uh, so we are in charge of advising the board of directors with regards to our opinions on artists, installations, productions, uh, strategies, and that kind of thing. Yeah, and so for our listeners out there who might not know what Nuit Blanche is, could you give us a nice little synopsis? Sure. Uh, It started in Paris um, maybe 15, 16, 17 years ago as an all-night art party, basically. So bring out art out onto the streets for the public to enjoy, interact with. Uh, It mainly focuses on a lot of installation art and larger pieces, and it goes uh, for 12 hours. So as in Edmonton's case, from 7 p.m. until 7 a.m. the next morning. What do you have planned for this year's Nuit Blanche? Well, we have uh, a great roster of artists that we're bringing in. One of the ones that we have released to the public is uh, a performance piece done by Thierry Marceau, curated by Wayne Bearwald. It's called The Great One. Wayne Gretzky was traded from Edmonton 30 years ago, and when he was traded, I was about 10 years old, and I remember where I was uh, during that press conference in disbelief with, you know, this single tear running down my eye thinking, what's next? So in celebrating that, we're bringing in this uh, performance artist who will be reenacting some of the drama that happened around that time. I've been kind of framing it as a collective art therapy for everyone. So we can go, go experience a little bit of catharsis 30 years later after that traumatizing experience. Absolutely. Right? Let's go cry together. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, earlier this year, Edmonton Community Foundation provided some funding to support uh, another project that uh, is going to be taking place on September 9th, but also have a permanent place to live as well in the community. 
Could you tell us a little bit about that project? So the board of uh, directors of Nuit Blanche uh, about a year ago asked the programming committee to find a way to include the greater Edmonton community uh, and perhaps groups that weren't typically associated with or would be represented in something like Nuit Blanche. The direction was to explore and put the feelers out for uh, who might be a good fit, who might benefit, for uh, be a part of this uh, festival. And so I am currently the president of Royal Gardens Community League. And I thought, well, you know, we should reach out to the leagues. And we've reached out to some leagues and it was deemed that perhaps my league could try and put something together. We weren't quite sure what that was going to look like until we saw the Edmonton Community Foundation grant. Right, the Vital Science the, grant. The call. Yeah, yeah, and the call for that, yes. And thought, well, this kind of is what we exactly what we have been trying to say without saying it, the, the call itself. So, right, um, and that call was looking for projects to support that focused on creating a stronger sense of inclusion and belonging within the community, I believe is uh, the wording or something close to that. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Nuit Blanche is, is a world-renowned art festival held in multiple cities around the world. And we wanted to demystify and break down those barriers and be as inclusive as possible to include uh, a lot of Edmonton talent. And especially perhaps in this case, talent that uh, may not typically be included or be thought of as part of a Nuit Blanche festival. You know, usually it's a high profile international artists, national artists, right. local celebrity artists that come together. Right. Uh, so does this sort of fit into Nuit Blanche's community arts development mandate? Absolutely. Which is a mandate to include about a third of the artists yes. to be local. Is that is that correct? Exactly. Yes, correct. So. This is one of the ones that will be included within that local scope. So we're very excited about it. Can you tell us a little bit about like the project itself and like what it's actually going to entail? Within our community, we have a lot of uh, subsidized housing in the area. I grew up in subsidized housing. There are a lot of kids in, in, in housing because these are families, uh, typically new Canadians, right. uh, not exclusively, but there are a lot of new Canadians represented. And I know that really there weren't that many opportunities for myself when I was younger. So uh, what we thought was we would bring in a mentor to work with the youth. We've got kids from about seven years old to 17. So a lot of them come from families, uh, their parents are new Canadians. A lot of uh, African Canadians aren't well represented in the city's fabric as far as the, the art uh, depicted in public. Everything's kind of coming together where we have uh, now uh, Malcolm Azania, who is a well-known teacher, activist, and graphic artist yes, in AKA town. AKA Minister Faust. Minister Faust. Yes, yes. Who uh, was a really big influence on myself. I used to listen to his shows on CJSR growing oh, up, right, and that yeah. was one of the outlets for hip-hop and urban music at the mm -hmm. time. And so uh, very influential on, on myself. And, uh, and we got to know each other over the years. So it was just a great opportunity to bring him in and mentor the kids. So what he is doing is... Over the course of the summer, he's been holding sessions at the hall, open call to the kids to come. He has a projector and in groups teaches the kids to draw. And so over the course of the summer, they will draw whatever really they feel because uh, it's the arts. Express yourself. There are no limits on what they are there to create. Uh, he's been holding these classes. And over the course of the summer, these pieces that they create, he will be incorporating into a larger work. Uh, which is going to be displayed on our hall and will also be displayed the night of Nuit Blanche. So the night of Nuit Blanche, we are likely, we're looking around for now for billboards or projections on walls to make it very prominent within the larger festival. So it'll be up all night. And then on our community uh, hall, we will be likely printing it on a high quality vinyl uh, as large as possible, putting it on a wall. Uh, ultimately, that is where it's going to live in permanence. Yeah. So this sort of be like a, a collage type piece then? Exactly. It'll be a collage. 
uh, shepherded by Malcolm. He will be producing it as well and putting it all together. We've been you know, reiterating this is a real thing and you are going to be on the wall forever and you're going to see this and your parents are going to see this and your friends are going to see this and when you grow up and move away, you can come back and it will still be here. So there's a lot of excitement about that, about being able to put your own mark or fingerprint on the community. And I think this is the spirit of the initiative that the ECF was willing to, to put forward. So we are very grateful for the support. Uh, the kids have just benefited immensely, and we're hoping that uh, this is just something that is a lifelong um, a, a lifelong thing. The one thing that that happened when I was in subsidized housing is that we had a candle making session. It was this one thing okay. that we, we did. And I remember that forever. So uh, th- I put myself in their shoes. Like we, there was nothing else uh, ever around that. But that marked me because that was really something cool that we did. And that was just kind of happened. And it was like, oh, well, this is just here for me. I'd, uh, I, I didn't have to do anything other than uh, enjoy myself and, and explore creativity. Yeah. Have you received any feedback from either the youth or the families? You know, the kids have responded very well to this. And the youth, you know, I've been with the league for six years. So some of the youth have were, you know, seven, eight years old. And now they're teenagers turning into young adults mm-hmm. almost. <laughs> so it's been really great to see that. It's really uh, something I feel just the process itself for myself has been the most impressive. You know, it's great. We're going to put it up on the hall, permanent reminder uh, and uh, imprint of these kids are going to see themselves in the fabric of the community physically. At the art festival, there will be pictures, tweets, you name it, uh, showing the things that they have done. But for me personally, it has been the process mm-hmm. of uh, the kids being able to be mentored by Malcolm who's an excellent artist, who's a great teacher. I mean, he was a teacher in the public school system, so he's really great at engaging them in and, and getting them excited. So for me, uh, if I could leave with one thing, it's just the process itself. It's the stuff that everybody else isn't going to see at the end, except for our community and the kids and the art. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much to Nier Bellamer for telling us about Nuit Blanche and the exciting installation created by the children and youth of the Royal Gardens Community League. You can find out more about this incredible art party at nuitblancheedmonton.ca. That's N-U-I-T-B-L-A-N-C-H-E edmonton.ca. Even though we're doing a weekly show experiment, we still wanted to give a shout out to one of the excellent podcasts from the Alberta Podcast Network for September. I've been listening to the Work Not Work show hosted by Terence C. Gagnon. The show features individuals with interesting careers who love what they do. I started listening to the episode featuring a wing walker and just kept going back to hear about other lives. I really appreciate hearing from people with upbeat energy who are passionate about their lives. Terrence starts by asking a few questions to get the stories flowing and then allows the guests to speak about what they love. Every episode features someone who is living the dream, and this could be a stem cell researcher, a coffee roaster, a wing walker, an actor. There's a plethora of real interesting people. It is refreshing to hear people who love what they do speaking passionately about what makes them happy. So check it out, the Work Not Work show. You can find it on the Alberta Podcast Network on CKUA Radio app or wherever else you like to listen to your podcasts. We also have a link to the show in our episode notes. We're coming up to the end of our show, but we have a few announcements before we sign off. First, we're very excited to share that the Social Enterprise Fund is celebrating their 10th anniversary. CEF, as we like to call it, lends money to social enterprises that want to make things better in their community and in the world. You might remember them from our story about the new facility at the White Mud Equine Learning Centre Association in episode 15. But they've helped so many organizations. Visit socialenterprisefund.ca to find out more. And because we're all about funding, don't forget that the due date for the next Vital Signs Grants is September 15th. You can check out our show notes for more details. And that brings us to the end of the episode of the Well Endowed Podcast. Thanks to all of our guests for sharing their stories with us. 
And thank you for listening. Don't forget to fill out our listener survey at thewellendowedpodcast.com. We want to know what you think. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please be sure to share this episode with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. Leaving a review is a big help, and we always appreciate your feedback. Thanks for hanging out with us. We've been your hosts, Elizabeth Bonking and Andrew Paul. Until next time. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation and is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. The show is edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at the ECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well Endowed.